everybody. This is Randy Chandebel, and you're listening to This Golden State. I'm guessing that if you work in an office or work for an organization somewhere, you know who your boss is. You know what he or she expects of you, and you know what would happen to you if you mess up. Well, Oakland cops don't really know who their boss is. They've had three different police chiefs there in just a matter of eight days. And now they don't really have any police chief, not even an acting chief. Why not? Well, listen to Mayor Libby Schaff. I feel that this is an appropriate time to place civilian oversight over this police department and to send a very clear message about how serious we are of not tolerating misconduct, unethical behavior, and to root out what is clearly a toxic, macho culture. Pretty damning words, toxic, macho culture, and many would say appropriate words. At least 14 Oakland police officers had sex with a teenage prostitute, several of them when she was still underage. They warned her in advance about anti-prostitution stings. There was a police officer's suicide related to that scandal. A married homicide detective had his mistress write criminal reports, and there are reports of police officers exchanging racist texts. Today, we're going to hear from a retired San Francisco police chief who told us that the Oakland mayor's tough words could backfire, hurt morale, and make it hard to find a good permanent chief. Long term, she needs the police department to do a good job. And if I want you to do a good job and I call you a name right now, I'm going to have a tough time uh, patching up that relationship. That's Tony Ribeiro, who led San Francisco's police department in the 1990s and is now an assistant professor at the University of San Francisco. Before our full interview with Ribeiro, just a bit more background about Oakland. The police department there has a long history of trouble, but in recent years seems to have improved. It's gotten rid of some rogue, abusive cops, reduced the number of civilian complaints, and it's brought down the crime rate. But Sean Went, the chief up until earlier this month, reportedly mishandled that teenage prostitute sex scandal, so the mayor let him go. Just days later, Went's replacement was let go when the mayor learned that he had an inappropriate sexual relationship with another officer in the past. And that chief's replacement left for mysterious reasons just a couple days later. So now a civilian with no police experience, the Oakland city administrator, she is supervising the department. Okay, now former San Francisco chief Tony Rivera. Tony Rivera, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Randy. So Oakland's uh, police department has been in the news the past couple of weeks, but other California police departments, including San Francisco's, have had their share of scandals of their own. Uh, In fact, many officers around the country have found their departments neck deep in controversy. So I'm wondering, do you think right now that young people who were thinking about getting into law enforcement might be having second thoughts? Well, I mean, I think that some people definitely are are having second thoughts. You know, when we see uh, the 
turnover in police chiefs when we see the constant criticism of police and police tactics. I think potential police officers are, are thinking to myself, maybe this isn't a job for me. You know, there's just too many things that can go wrong. In addition to the rank of officer, it could be very troubling getting people to take the position of police chief. Well, that was, in fact, my next question. What about would-be chiefs? The chief in San Francisco recently fired, and we've seen what's going on in Oakland. It's kind of police chief musical chairs. Is it possible that would-be chiefs are saying, no, thank you, pass on me? That's a possibility, but I also think that a chief who is considering relocating for the position of chief of police, and in other words, moving to San Francisco or Oakland from the East Coast, that they demand a contract which would be financially binding, three-, four-year contract. Think about it. Are you going to relocate your, your family knowing the turmoil that, that has happened in these various communities? You know, you, you need some job security. Well, it, it, it's not just here. What about what about around the country? What is the average tenure of a big city uh, chief it, these days? Last time I checked, it was two and a half years. So if Oakland is saying they want to attract an outsider, to attract an outsider to an area where the cost of living is sky high, right. and you know that you may not last very long, that's difficult to attract top-name talent, isn't it? Well, yes. You know, in police work, we say that we serve others, and that's all very nice, but we also serve our families. So I think reality is a contract which would pay a decent salary, a competitive salary, and be guaranteed financially for a number of years. And when I say guaranteed financially, certainly if the chief is, is a problem beyond repair, you can let them go, but you have to pay the remainder of that contract, just like some of these professional athletes. What about you? I know that former mayor Willie Brown mentioned you in a column the other day saying that Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff may be wise to reach out to someone like you, a wise gray beard from police chief heyday, to step in temporarily. Well, that, that was very kind of Mayor Brown, but uh, I can assure you I'm very happy here at the University of San Francisco. So if Libby Schaff called you and said, hey, six months, I just need I, I, six I, months. I don't think she's going to call me. So, I think But if she did, if she I, did? I tell her I'm very happy here at USF. Okay. In a big city police department, I think, for example, Oakland has between 750 and 800 cops. San Francisco has about 2,100, if I'm correct. That's right. How realistic is it for a chief of departments that size to know if some officers are tarnishing the badge, having sex with underage girls, or sending racist texts. How realistic is it for a chief to know all that? It's probably not realistic that the chief know about the goings-on of all 2,100 officers. However, a well-disciplined department where sergeants are held accountable, where lieutenants are held accountable, where captains are held accountable, these indiscretions should be identified immediately. Sergeants, lieutenants, captains, they all have to be accountable for the discipline of the organization. It's not a one-man show. Some real bright guy from New Jersey can't necessarily make changes in 2,100 officers. Well, speaking of organizational culture, 
non-police officers think they've heard about this so-called code of silence. If there is, if that's true, if there's a code of silence, then how can a sergeant or a captain be accountable if people aren't telling them what's going on? Randy, that's one of the things we have to address immediately in all our law enforcement organizations. There is no such thing as snitching. There is only the truth. And officers are sworn to tell the truth. And if you lie, you don't have a job. You tell the truth, plain and simple. And that has to be driven home vividly to all the officers in the organization. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you are saying, yes, that is a problem. There is in some departments a code of silence. Well, to some degree. To some degree, there's, uh, you know, uh, an old school mentality of we don't snitch on each other. And I hate that word snitch because it, it, it doesn't mean anything. It means not telling the truth. From my perspective, we tell the truth. There's also a perception that there's an us versus them mentality, that because police officers have dangerous work and they're so often dealing with bad characters and they like to think of themselves as the good guys, that it's kind of natural that there's an us, the police department, versus them, people out in the community. Well, I mean, this, this is the reality of police work in any community. People do not invite you to baptisms, to bar mitzvahs, to weddings. They call you when they have a problem, when somebody's overdosed on drugs, when there's domestic violence, when somebody has stolen something. They call you for things that are, for the most part, bad news. They don't call you for the wedding. So do you get somewhat of a jaded look at the community? You can and it's something that has to be addressed in police training. It has to be addressed in terms of the ongoing communications between the officers and the community, because the community has to understand it, too. So it, it sounds like, given some of the things you're talking about, that, yeah, to some degree, there is still a code of silence some places, and that there is kind of in some places an us versus them mentality that's natural, that even after you're an accepted police officer, maybe every three or four years, you kind of need some remedial training, some reminding that well, all, all the people in the community aren't bad. You have to get to know them. Well, you, you, you do. So no doubt morale is taking a hit in some Bay Area police departments, I would imagine, especially Oakland right now. Um, I would but, agree with that. But, but what about morale in the community? If I'm driving, say, in Oakland and I get pulled over, or if I'm a young person of color and I get questioned on the street, but at the same time I know from the headlines that cops are sending each other racist texts and having sex with underage girls, I'm not likely to feel good about cooperating with the police, am I? Well, you just mentioned two things there. Racist texts and... Uh, uh, sex with underage girls. That's totally intoler intolerable conduct by our police officers. And it's important that the community understand that we will not tolerate that. We will not tolerate it. And it will be dealt with firm, fair, and fast, which is the recipe for good discipline within an organization. But what can a chief do to take charge of that situation firm and fast? Again, especially if there's a lingering code of silence. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you what I did when I was chief. 
I didn't allow cases to back up. I personally heard all the disciplinary hearings except the ones, the few, that had to go to the police commission that were so egregious that they had to go to the police commission. So it was a, a, an ongoing process to stay ahead of the curve, if you will, on these disciplinary cases. You get them backed up, you get, you know, 15 racist text, message, text messages. I, I mean, it, it, it does make the public think, what the hell's going on? Well, they need to be dealt with firmly, fair, and fast. So, as I recall, you had a reputation within the department of being kind of a temperamental at times, take no prisoners chief. Uh, you you disciplined with a heavy hand. Well, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't embarrassed by being the boss. I was the boss, and I took responsibility. And that's what, whether it's Mayor Schaff, Mayor Lee, or whoever... That's what they need in a, in, a, in a chief is somebody who's going to take responsibility uh, of leadership, responsibility for holding the captains, the lieutenants, and the sergeants accountable. It seems that uh, trust in, a, well, in any organization, but a police department especially, can take decades to build that trust, and it could all disappear within a week or two. Yes. And, and, and then you have to start all over. You do, but, you know, I, I had a couple of incidents that transpired when I was chief. Um, death of a young African-American man in, in, in police custody. Uh, a raid on a, a, a gay nightclub, which turned out not so well. But what we did, and when I say we, me to some degree, but to the deputy chief, the district captains, they reached out to the community aggressively and uh, gave them all the relevant information they could, talked to them about the steps that were being taken to ensure these, these things would, would not be a problem between us and the community in the future. I mean, you, you, have, you have to deal with them very aggressively. Well, now, you say you did that, and frankly, I don't recall it. <laughs> My memory isn't as good as I would like. But well, I, I, I will say this. I didn't get fired for them. So <laughs> to some degree, it was a success. Well, but, but uh, getting back to San Francisco, uh, Greg Serve seemed to take responsibility, would meet with members of the community to explain what was going on, to listen to their concerns. Yet he it did. didn't work out for him. He did. I, I think Greg was, uh, was one of the most proactive chiefs we've ever had in terms of community engagement. No question about it. But... It appears, particularly the last couple of cases, that there was some sort of a breakdown in terms of, of community trust with some people in the community. It's, it's tough. Um, you know, one of the things I think that's reality in terms of politics, even if you're not guilty of wrongdoing, and quite frankly, I don't think Greg was guilty of any wrongdoing, but if the criticism becomes so ongoing and so significant uh, that it's, it's making it almost impossible for the department to do their job successfully, then a political decision may have to be made. So, so what you're saying is even if a police chief, say in San Francisco, say in Oakland, anywhere, is doing a reasonably good job, but the community thinks otherwise, at some point, even if it's fair or not, it may be wise to change chiefs. 
I think there are situations, yes, where that would be true. I'm guessing that being a police chief in San Francisco or Oakland, two of the more liberal cities in the country, is a little bit different than being a police chief in Houston, Texas, a conservative area. I would imagine with all the activism here, it could be a little bit more challenging to be a chief in the Bay Area. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know about Houston, but I do know that in San Francisco and in Oakland, the chief is a very high-profile figure within that community, and as such, has to deal with the political realities of that community. And as you say, both, both cities are somewhat liberal. But again, I, I want to make the point here that uh, being liberal doesn't necessarily mean that they're anti-police. It means that perhaps they're demanding of their police, but why are they demanding? Do liberals want public safety as much as conservatives do? I think they do. They have children. Uh, they want their kid to be able to go to the uh, grocery store to buy a, a quart of milk and come home in good shape. You know, this is something we all want, whether, whether we're registered Democrats, registered Republicans, or whatever. Less than a year ago, Oakland's police force was boosting its ranks, embracing new technology, even getting accolades from some White House experts on policing. And it was seemingly on the way to putting the whole Oakland Riders episode behind it. No more framing civilians <laughs> or beating up civilians. But now, in just the past couple of weeks, sex scandals, racist texts, what a dramatic fall to earth. Well, why did that happen? I, I mentioned the three things, that the, the primary things that she's responsible for. Engaging the community, discipline, and crime control. It seems to me that Chief Went had a positive impact on crime control, because crime has gone down on his watch. In terms of community engagement, I'm sure he was out there constantly uh, working with the community. So that leads to one issue of discipline, which we started talking about at the beginning of this interview. It's, it's, it's a key thing for all chiefs, and it's a difficult thing because, you know, we want to be popular. Uh, we want to work well with the union. We want to show police officers that we have their back and that we're loyal to them. It's a delicate, delicate balancing act to be a proactive disciplinarian in a law enforcement organization. Kind of like being a parent. You want your kids <laughs> to like you, but at the same time you have to discipline them. That's right. That's, uh, a delicate that, balance. That, that's right. That's uh. right. And, uh, it, it, it's 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 the reality of the job, and uh, and you know, in in this search process in both cities, that's something that they have to take a long, hard look at. I, I you know, as we sit here today, the Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff has named a civilian city administrator to be, in a sense, the police chief. Is that a scenario that could work? Someone with no direct knowledge of policing supervising a police department? Well, all I know is what I read in the paper, and it, you know, it doesn't look real good, and I can imagine the morale of the officers isn't real good, but, uh, uh, you know, given what's transpired the past few days, I'm not sure what the answer is. So, yeah, you, you mentioned something, morale. You're a cop, and you have some incident that 
Maybe you handle right, but it comes under question, and the person making a decision on whether or not you did right, whether or not you should be punished, is a woman who's never had any police experience deciding what should happen to you. Yeah. Does that sound... That, does, that doesn't sound like a, a recipe for good morale. Well, you know, no, it doesn't. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, moving parts over in Oakland that, that make responsibility somewhat ambiguous, because... You know, who's in charge? Even when there was Chief Went, it was somewhat ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. More and so that, now, and three now, and a half chiefs later. And, and now I understand the Board of Supervisors is uh, over there, or the City Council is uh, calling for an oversight commission. But, again, it's taking away from the accountability of the police chief for discipline, discipline of the organization. And, and that, to me... Is, is a critical element of the chief's responsibility. So all this activity over there may be well-intentioned, but it's possible it's muddying the waters. Exactly. Good analogy, yes. When Greg Sir was having problems, there were some activists in San Francisco not only demanding that he resign, but demanding that Mayor Ed Lee resign or that, that, that something should happen to Ed Lee. And now the same thing's happening in Oakland. Mm -hmm. There are some people, even though Libby Schaff is relatively new to her job, and I know you don't know the circumstances there as well as you do here, but realistically, is there much that a mayor can do to fix things in a police department? Yes, there is, because the police chief reports to the mayor. And I look back at my days, and I re mentioned that I had a, a good relationship with the mayor. But make no mistake about it, he held me accountable. And I would talk to him two or three times a week about different issues. Uh, homelessness was something that, you know, he wasn't happy with the way... Uh, the homelessness issue was addressed, and to some degree, he held me accountable on that. And, and did it improve your performance as chief, your communication with the mayor at that time? Yes, yes. I think, you know, the fact that he was candid with me never let any animosity build up between us, because whatever problems we've had, we had, we, direct, we addressed them quickly and directly. Well, you said yourself that you had a good relationship with the mayor who was mayor when you were chief, in part because the mayor was a former chief. In Oakland, Libby Schaff is not a former chief, not a former cop, not with a background of law enforcement, but she, she says she wants to fix the department. Is it possible for a chief to have a good relationship with her? More difficult? It, it's essential. It's essential. And it's essential when she chooses her new chief that she reaches out to have a, a good working relationship with that chief. She needs to talk to that chief two or three times a week. She doesn't need the auditor monitor to talk to him. She doesn't need the city council to talk to him. She needs to talk to him or her. I, I think... Uh, that relationship is critical to any mayor. Libby Schaff, you've no doubt seen the quotes. She wants a police department, not a frat house. And when she says the department suffers from a toxic, macho culture, is that inspiring to cops on the force or demoralizing? Do they, do they see her as in charge or someone who's not on their side? Well, I would suspect. And again, you know, my expertise is more in San Francisco than it is in Oakland. But I would suspect that the great majority of the police officers 
in Oakland, our outstanding police officers do their job well, are well disciplined, and, and are a credit to the community. You know, the n number of people that we're talking about that have had something to do with this young lady from Richmond or uh, have involved, been involved in, uh, you know, other uh, types of misconduct, I think, is, is a small percentage overall. But again, she's a politician and she's got a community up in arms over reports out of the police department. She has to look like she's in charge. She has to say tough things, does she not? Yes, but long term, she needs the police department to do a good job. And if I want you to do a good job and I call you a name right now, I'm going to have a, a tough time uh, patching up that relationship. So you're saying perhaps her... I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, and I'm not talking about Libby Chef because I don't know her exact quote, but name-calling is a losing proposition. Well, former Chief Tony Rivera, thank you for being with us today. Pleasure. Nice having you out here at the University of San Francisco. And one final chance. I'm Libby Schaff. I'm on the phone. We need you, Tony Rivera. What are you going to say to me? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm locked at the hip with the Jesuits here at USF. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again. You can find This Golden State on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher. Just look up This Golden State or try my name, Randy Shandabel. That's S-H-A-N-D-O-B-I-L. Again, if you like us, write a review on iTunes or tell your friends. It helps. No podcast for the next couple of weeks. Vacation time. Thanks for listening.